quick note before we get into the episode. Kitchen Confidentials is a podcast for informational purposes only. It is not a medical podcast and does not constitute medical or professional advice. Always seek the advice of your physician or mental health professional. Welcome to Kitchen Confidentials, and I'm your host, Janice. Let's talk about eating disorder recovery. Yo, 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 hoes. Welcome back to the Kitchen Confidential podcast. So good to have you back with me as per usual. Coming to you every single Wednesday. And I didn't want to miss this week's episode, even though I am extremely busy <laughs> moving to my new apartment. And I just so happened to have started an advanced course in food microbiology. Uh, so things are really super busy. And tonight is my last night in in this apartment, and I've been here for around four years, so it's quite a, yeah, it's a bit of a sentimental evening for me. And by the time you hear this episode, I'll be in my new apartment in Amsterdam, and that's really just been a dream I've had for a really, really long time. In fact, I remember when I lived uh, still in South Africa, before any of these changes came about, before I even moved overseas, uh, and when I was really in the early stages of recovering from an eating disorder and just sort of, just kind of revamping my whole life, if you will, <laughs> I had this uh, kind of vision board or like, I don't know what you want to call it, dream board, vision board on my wall uh, with all of these things I wanted to to get someday. And one of the one of the sort of affirmations I would say all the time was, oh, I'm so happy living in this big, bustling, beautiful city. And I would say this like every day because this was part of this way of kind of uh, bringing this into my life. And one day I was going to live in a big city and that was a goal of mine. And of course, I moved to the Netherlands and lived in this tiny city here. And when I was in South Africa, I was living in a tiny city. And now it just feels like this kind of full circle in this dream of being able to help other people and getting to move to a big city like I'd always wanted. And somehow, all of those things on that, or at least almost all, almost all of the things on that vision board uh, or dream board, I've come true and have uh, come about somehow in the last in the last say three or four years. So so that's pretty cool. And yeah, but anyway, I'll talk about manifesting and vision boards and dream boards and doing your five year cards, which is a little bit more scientific. I think <laughs> the little five year cards will will think about those uh, in a future episode. But today, I wanted to keep this episode short, but give you some tips for your early stages of recovery. I'm sure some of you have started the structured eating path already and are thinking, cool, this is great, Janice, thanks for giving us all of the <laughs> all of the plan of putting all this food in, but like, now what do I do? Because now I've got all this food in my house and I don't know how to cope, um, so wasn't going to miss this episode. Don't worry, guys. Not going to leave you hanging. Uh, so let's get straight into it. Five tips for early recovery. Number one, I want you to limit the amount of your 
quote-unquote treat or binge foods in your house in early recovery. So I know I've asked you to make sure that you're implementing these treat foods. It's really important that you add those into your structured eating plan. Normally, I add that as a treat every evening. I will have a piece of cake or I still eat chocolate every day. Like I just had a piece of a chocolate now. (laughs) I love Lynn chocolate. I would have two blocks of Lynn chocolate so often in those early days of recovery. And I recommend you do that. But, But in early recovery, it can be quite difficult to add these treat foods in uh, we spoke about how your body is already in this kind of starvation mode. <laughs> you finally get to eat again. And and how not allowing yourself to do that can create this crazed behavior around food where you actually think there's something wrong with you. But really, all you've done is starved yourself into primal hunger. So I know how hard it's going to be to implement that in the early days of recovery. So it's best to sort of limit that temptation if you will, in early recovery, so that you're not sitting there thinking like, oh, you know, what if I, you know, no one's going to know if I just eat like that whole slab of chocolate, we we can start this again tomorrow. So it's easier if you limit the temptation and just buy smaller packs or single portion packs to limit that temptation in early recovery. And of course, don't remove these from your meal plan entirely you've got to add those treat foods in. Otherwise, they just have more of a strong magnetism and attractive force to them if you if you don't allow yourself to eat them. So include them, but in early days, just keep them in smaller single portion packs or buy them the night before. I told you about the carrot cake story. I mean, it really wasn't just carrot cake. It was all sorts of things I wanted to eat in early recovery that I didn't allow myself to eat. And if there was something that I thought about, I would just buy it and plan it for the next day. Or perhaps plan that, okay, tomorrow afternoon tea, you're going to go and work in a coffee shop and have a lemon meringue or whatever it is. Do it in that way in the early days if that helps you until you feel a little bit more strong and comfortable in your recovery and comfortable with uh, structured eating. Do that Uh, and just allow your Solve some time for your brain and your body to adapt to this, to these changes. Number two, toss the scale. It's going to be a bit hard in the early days to do this, but one of the most freeing experiences in recovery for me was removing these tools of self-abuse like the scale. And honestly, screw the scale. You are so, so much more than your weight. Uh, one of the girls in our recovery community, and she used to love the saying, "You, your value is not based on your gravitational pull to the earth. And I really love that, especially as a scientist. I love that. You're really not. Your, your, your worth and your value is not based on your weight. That's crazy. And you're not this little like project that needs to be sort of, you know, worked on. You're actually a majestic, magnificent, 
intricately designed organism. You've got a body that just knows what to do without you telling it to do it. It knows how to respire, to clear waste products from your body, to detoxify your body. Believe it or not, you don't have to go on a detox diet for your body to detox. It does it for you. It also processes thousands of pieces of information all day. A lot of the time, you don't even have to do anything for that. That's just happening without your input. Digestion is taking place without your input. And really, how cool is digestion? This is this combustion of glucose that's taking place inside your body to release energy. You don't have to ask your body to do that. You don't have to even think about it. It's just it's just going on all the time. And it's like super complex systems um, that just work. And so you can rely on your body to just do those things without you having to tell it when to do it or how to do it. And you don't need to control how it looks. You do not need to control all of the things about it and every macro and micronutrient. No, no, my dear friend, all you're going to need to do, and it's going to take a lot of time for this to come right, but you're going to learn to listen to your body because your body knows what it needs. And you're going to learn to be kind to your body so that you give it those things that it's asking for and you can listen intuitively to what it is that your body wants. Those are the goals. The goals are not to say, oh, look, my thighs are a little bit too big. Now I need to change that. Now I need to adjust my intake or whatever. No, no, it's rubbish. And we're going to toss that idea along with the scale. Give it away or sell it. But you don't need that anymore. I haven't had a scale for years now. And it was so freeing to get rid of that thing. And I just refused to buy another one because it's never been a benefit to me. And even if I go to the doctor now or I have to have um, my weight checked for whatever purpose, you know, sometimes if you're going under anesthetic or whatever, you you absolutely have to be weighed so they can decide how much of the anesthetic to give you. Otherwise, it's like super dangerous. They'll never put you under without that. But if they have to, I ask them not to tell me what it is. And it's that simple. Hey, I don't want to know what it is. Please just record it, but I, I don't need to see it. And if you feel comfortable, you can even tell your doctor why. Number three. Cover your full-length mirrors in early recovery. So one thing we love to do as uh, people who suffer with eating disorders, and actually not only ED sufferers, but I think majority of people, if they're really honest, uh, will admit that they check their bodies from time to time. If that's when you pass a mirror or perhaps you just, you know, feel your waist every now and again to feel have you put on weight or how how does your belly feel today? Is it, Are you bigger or are you smaller? Have you lost or have you gained weight or whatever? It's kind of, we call it body checking. And when you struggle with an eating disorder, it can actually get really a super compulsive thing to check your your stats, if you will, and check your weight and check your body and check if your genes fit and you put on all these sort of let's say skinny clothes or your 
clothes that help you measure whether you are the size you want to be. And you can end up checking yourself like multiple times a day. It gets really out of control. And uh, yeah, some people even check multiple times an hour. I mean, like as if we're going to have lost two kilograms over 10 minutes. But in the early recovery, it can really help because of this to actually remove these ways of checking yourself like the scale or like covering these full length mirrors just for the early days doesn't have to be forever and I remember in my early recovery I was uh, traveling I had to travel quite a lot for work I still travel really a lot for work and uh, can tell you it's not it's really not fun when you have an eating disorder to be traveling all the time Uh, as you can imagine you don't always know when your next meal is going to come and what it's going to be and you don't have your comfortable choices or or know (laughs) know what calories or in whatever it is that you're going to eat when you're in a a different country but anyway I was in in an African country I think I was in Lesotho at the time and I remember getting the same advice in in my recovery. And so I put a towel over the mirror in the hotel room just to stop myself from constantly obsessing over it or checking uh, how I looked. And this really, really helped me in the early stages. And so it's really part of this process of rewiring your brain, that neural programming that I was talking about and that we'll deep dive in in a later episode. It's about changing your way that you think about these things and changing those behaviors and it takes time to change those behaviors so sometimes it's better by doing it with force in the beginning until you're used to not doing it so maybe that helps you if you if you're constantly checking your body in in the mirror to just uh, cover it up or turn it around or just get rid of it in the early days because remember you're not a before and after image. You really aren't this work in progress that needs to be altered and changed. Uh, you're beautiful right now. You're beautiful. You're enough just as you are. You are a work of art as you are right now. Incredibly complex, beautiful organism. Four. Throw out all the glossy gossip and fashion magazines. (laughs) We're in recovery. We're actually told to never, ever buy these again. And I, I don't buy them anymore at all. I mean, I was never one for the gossip magazines. I think they're really negative. Um, But I used to like these uh, quote-unquote beauty and health, health and beauty magazines. I remember telling my dad to... (laughs) when I was in high school, to get me a health and beauty magazine uh, and a pack of cigarettes. <laughs> this was this was me in, uh, what was I, 17 or 18, <laughs> just, just about to get an eating disorder and I'm order, ordering uh, fashion magazines or be- health and beauty magazines and a box of cigarettes. Lord, glad I'm done with both of those. Um, but yeah, the glossies, they're bit of a breeding ground for low self-esteem and most of the time these magazines are like 
hating on celebs for having what are actually pretty natural bodies or pretty natural weight gain or body changes. And it's just like a negative, negative things to be learning or programming it into your brain. And so we're going to reprogram that and reprogram our perspective. And one of the ways you can do that is removing that negative imagery and negative commentary that you see in those glossy magazines and celeb photoshopped images. I mean, come on, seriously, these photos are so, so, so photoshopped that even the celebrities themselves will tell you they don't look like those pictures. They don't look like those pictures. They are totally altered. They get made smaller. They even adjust their, you know, they can adjust their their shoulders and foreheads and all the blemishes on their skin. These natural things that we acquire as we age and just from just being alive in general are altered in those those images. And so without even thinking about it, like your subconscious starts to sort of gain that negative uh, perspective of that, well, I don't look like them. There's something sort of, you know, flawed about me. When you're not flawed and all these things you think are flaws are actually part of what makes you beautiful. I mean, I, I'm now, I was talking about this this uh, apartment I'm going to move into, but I bought this Kalim rug. Uh, well, I didn't buy it. It was actually gifted to me, and I'm super, super, super grateful for it. It's an absolutely incredible rug. I have wanted it for so long now, I think at least over a year. It's beautiful, and it's just so many different colors. It's just this totally boho, totally suits my vibe, totally suits the style I want for my new apartment. And you'll see it in the in the video uh, episodes I'm going to do in future. Uh, but anyway, it's really, really beautiful. And how it's described to me is that it's like handmade by these women where the wool is dyed by hand as well. And when they hang the wool, some of the color goes to the bottom and some of the color is obviously drained from the top area of the wool. So you'll get these light pieces and darker colors in the wool. And so when it's finally hand woven to make this Kalim rug, it is with sort of little bits of changes in the coloring of the of the wool that's woven in. And and that is what makes it beautiful. This is why it's it's such a, a quality good rug because it has these flaws in it. And if you go buy one of these sort of rip-offs of these rugs, yeah, it's going to be a lot cheaper, but it's not going to have the imperfections that make it so absolutely beautifully perfect. Anyway, obsessed with this rug. And I can't wait to show you all now that we've thought about it in that way. Um, so number five, clean up your social media account. I really think this is one of the best things you can do in early recovery to change your perspective, to stop getting this negative imagery and stop seeing these sort of tiny little models and celebrities in what are, again, altered images. And uh, there's so many accounts now where they can show you how 
people change the way they look in their videos. I mean, there's filters for that. There's just, there's so much photoshopping and changes that they do. So even what you see on there, even though it's not done by professionals, those images are often still altered. And what you're seeing on there is not always real. And it can make you feel bad about yourself. And, and what we say in early recovery is compare and despair. If you're going to be doing this dangerous comparison game with every image you see, even on, on Facebook or, you know, even on your friend's profile, I honestly think sometimes that's even worse for me. I stayed off Facebook for so long, I hardly ever use it anymore. Because it made me feel so bad to see friends uh, getting all of these things that I want. And yeah, that might surprise a lot of you that are my friends that are listening. Um, But my life is not perfect like my images put out. The same way that other people's lives aren't perfect with their images. And that is social media. That's what we're doing. We're putting our highlight reel out there. And then everyone thinks you're living this sort of best life. told that all the time oh it's the best life no girl (laughs) it's not the best life it has been one of the most challenging lives out of anyone I've heard from and I'm not saying I have have the worst or hardest time by any stretch of the imagination but it is it's not real so at least for those early days remove those things that make you feel bad Anyone, if that's family pictures or friends on Facebook or celebs that you normally follow, if you see something on Instagram and you're like, oh, I wish, or you start thinking, oh, yeah, you know, if I just, yeah, I've got to not eat as much today or whatever, you catch, start catching yourself saying these things and then remove those triggers from your feed. It changes the game. Believe me. And one of the things you can do instead of following people um, that are triggering, especially this pro and our content, guys, I mean, that's like really an obvious one. We're not even going to go there. Anything that is pro anorexia or pro making yourself skinnier, I mean, those are just vile sites. It, it's, so 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 horrible and so traumatic for someone that's going or has been through an eating disorder just don't even go there start following people that are positive and healthy health at every size you know follow the hashtag health at every size or body positivity and you will find so many accounts and we can again look at what which ones uh, to to follow in a future episode um, but I highly recommend doing that instead. So those of your five uh, tips for early recovery that you can implement right now and let's just look at them again. Number one, limit the amount of your favorite treat foods in your house and early recovery two toss the scale three cover your full-length mirrors four throw out all the glossy gossip and fashion magazines five clean up your social media account cool and i hope this has helped some of you or at least you're finding it interesting If you have a question for me or you just want to get in contact, please send me a mail 
on Kitchen Confidentials podcast at gmail.com or you can follow the podcast on Instagram at Kitchen Confidentials podcast. You're welcome to send me a DM on there. And uh, yeah, look forward to connecting next week. And until then, KFG, keep effing going. <laughs>